Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. That they are justified by faith, not some sort of social status. As believers, we are made right by God in faith to have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not how many letters you have behind your name, not what status you had within the church, not what your family has done. It does not. We are justified. We are made right by faith. Let's get into the word. Uh, today's message is going to be coming from um, the book of Romans. The book of Romans, the fifth chapter. And I'm going to be reading the first through the fifth verse. Again, that is Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading the New International Translation of God's Word today. Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again in your name and delve into your word, Lord God. We thank you for the opportunity for the Bible says to fail not to assemble ourselves, Lord. Lord God, here I am, your humble servant behind your sacred desk, and I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Allow me to be a beacon to point people to Christ. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, For the time that we get to spend together today, I would like to talk a little bit about hyperlinks of faith. Hyperlinks of faith. Uh, Between academic studies, business interests, government interests, uh, things that I've got going on in my life, I spend a lot of time reading electronic documents. And when I have to go through all of these electronic documents, I don't just read straight through. I I will hop around based on what's at the beginning and the table of contents and the the agenda or whatever. And I like to go back and forth uh, all over the document to read things. And one thing I love to have when I'm reading documents electronically is hyperlinks. You can 
click when hyperlinks are enabled and used. You can click on one word or phrase and it'll take you elsewhere. It'll take you to a website, it'll take you to another part of the document. It will take you where you need to be. And so I like to read uh, documents with hyperlinks in them and I like to send out documents with hyperlinks in them. Uh, like clockwork, one hour before the virtual worship service starts, if you're on our email list, you will get an email that says the service is going live in one hour. You can watch us on Facebook here and on YouTube here. And if you click here, it'll take you to our Facebook page or our YouTube channel based on which one you clicked. Monday morning. If you're on our email list, you're going to get another email. Just in case you missed the virtual worship experience, here's a link to the 10 o'clock service. And here's a link to the 11 o'clock service. And here's a link, if you're a little pressed for time, to just the sermon. When we have church council meetings, uh, the church members will get a link for that. I am fond of this kind of technology because it allows someone to access a lot of information without taking up a whole bunch of space. And not only does it allow you to access a lot of information without taking up a whole bunch of space, things that are far apart are able to be connected together as quickly as one click. One click, and they have everything they need at their fingertips. When hyperlinks first came out, they were called embedded menus. And the invention of these menus, uh, they occurred before most of us had even heard of the internet or the World Wide Web. It, it happened in the early days of uh, computer technology. And a man by the name of Ben Schneiderman, a computer scientist at the University of Maryland, was the inventor of the embedded menu. And he quickly gave the embedded menu a new name. He called it hyperlinks. And it caught on. And without them, researchers and librarians and grad students, parents and countless other people in other occupations would have been floundering, perhaps still looking for a way to get access to the information. And see, hyperlinks are so natural that they've become invisible unless we make a special effort to appreciate them. Um, the hyperlinks were uh, one application of Snyderman's theory of direct manipulation, which also not only gave us hyperlinks, but it gave us touchscreen keyboards on mobile devices and being able to tag people in pictures and, and general interactions and all other visual interfaces. All of these serve a purpose, and it's a purpose of connection and communication. And Paul, in the Bible, was trying to connect and communicate. That's why he wrote this letter to the church at Rome. 
the book of Romans, as we call it, is the Apostle Paul's longest letter in the Bible. And Paul wrote this letter to the Roman church before he actually visited them. Some of the other books of the Bible where Paul wrote them, he went out, started the church, visited the church, and then he heard that trouble was going on. And so he wrote a letter back to try to get everything in order. But for Rome, he wrote one before he visited. Paul was laying the groundwork of trying to communicate and connect with the people at the Roman church because he might have been worried about how the visit would go. Paul wasn't sure that the Roman church would receive him, and he wasn't sure that the Roman country would accept him. Uh, Paul had collected offerings before this from the churches in Asia and Macedonia, and he was worried that when he was coming to bring this offering from churches in Asia and Macedonia, that the Roman church wouldn't take a gift from the Gentiles. Uh, they didn't want to mix. Uh, those who were born Jewish and, and were believers in Jesus thought they had a special status over those who may have been born Greek or some other Gentile uh, nationality or ethnicity that decided to believe in Jesus even though they weren't born into it. And so there were, uh, I, I know this will sound weird to church folk, but you know, church folk, thinking that because they were born and raised in something that somebody new came along could have uh, some status in it. And so that's funny to me because not only did they have these statuses going on, but the Roman, the, 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 the Jewish-born Christians were being oppressed by the Roman government. And while they were being oppressed by the Roman government, they still found a way to exclude other people. <clears throat> and, and, and so you have this going on where you have these different statuses of Christians that are man-made statuses, not God-made statuses, but man-made statuses. But this church is also in Rome. Roman leaders were scared that they were going to be taken over. They were so scared of being taken over that they would not even let their military generals get too close to Rome with their armies because they would have thought that if you crossed over, they called it the Rubicon, if you crossed the Rubicon River with your soldiers as a military leader, you obviously were coming to come take over. Ah, ah. And so uh, the Roman government was always scared of that, yet they have a group of people who claim to be worshiping a king of kings and lord of lords living in their city. So they're not treated warmly. It's not all warm and fuzzy and nice to be a Christian during that time. And so Paul wrote a letter to the church at Rome to address some of those issues and many more. First thing Paul lets them know is that it's not your status that justifies you. You are justified by faith. 
Paul is letting the believers in Rome know, both the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians, that they are justified by faith, not some sort of social status. As believers, we are made right by God in faith to have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, not how many letters you have behind your name, not what status you had within the church, not what your family has done. It does not. We are justified. We are made right by faith. And so now since we have been made right in God's sight by God, by faith, We can have real peace with God because what Jesus Christ has done for us is not what we've done for ourselves. It's what Jesus Christ did for us. And because we believe in that by faith, not by works, not by social status, not by money, because we believe in that by faith. God has brought us into the place of highest privilege where we now stand. We can confidently and joyfully look forward to becoming all that God has in mind for us to be. Paul is showing the people how to connect to something peaceful how to connect to something that may seem far away, how to connect to something that is going to save us even in the middle of the tests and the trials. Matter of fact, he says we can rejoice in those trials. We can rejoice when we run into tests and trials and problems and know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to be patient. And then develop a strength of character and to help us trust God more and more each day until our hope and our faith are strong and steady. And we can hold our heads high no matter what happens and confidently know that all is well. We know how dearly God loves us and we can feel God's love within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with God's love. We receive that love even while we are suffering. Because the suffering produces endurance, some translations say, or perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Suffering. Suffering comes in many forms. Um, For the early Christians... It was physical torture at the hands of the authorities. It was impatient crowds. It was bloodthirsty mobs uh, challenging and being fearful of anybody around them that was different. This was not uncommon. I say all the time it was not easy to be a Christian during the time of the Bible, fighting lions and being dipped in boiling oil and being stoned and crucified. They suffered. But today, people still face the threat of bodily harm because of the color of their skin, uh, because of their religious beliefs, because of their gender. People still suffer in the congregation with mental anguish, emotional pain, the chronic body 
pain. They know the pain of loss, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a job, the loss of income, the loss of a child, the loss of their health. Many people are suffering today, and many of us will never know it. The Bible uh, says in the New Living Translation version of Proverbs 14, 13, uh, that laughter can conceal a heavy heart. But when the laughter ends, the grief remains. But embedded in the biblical discussion of suffering is a connection to a hyperlink. There is a, a positive byproduct to the suffering it's, it's going to happen. The Bible says that man born of a woman's days are few and full of trouble. Yeah. But there's a byproduct, and that is endurance. Uh, the endurance that is mentioned in, in, in the, uh, the translation is, is an active endurance. Um, you know, some people... Uh, some translations say instead of endurance, they say patience uh, or perseverance. Uh, but while patience denotes passivity, perseverance is actively involved in the experience. Um, endurance does not suggest that we are quietly waiting it out. Uh, biblical endurance means we wade right in. And endurance, uh, like when you uh, have an endurance race, it tests the ability of the competitor to keep on going despite exhaustion and obstacles and, 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 and genuine suffering. Uh, you know, and it's translated sometimes as perseverance. And, 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 and some people tend to be good at this. Like, it's in their DNA, uh, 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 and it's a virtue that people list it, uh, on many, like, lists of people's values and strengths, uh, and it might be a, a product of your DNA, uh, but the Apostle Paul suggests that when we experience suffering or, or, trans, or what translations call trials and tribulations, it produces endurance as well. Uh, a, a person with endurance has learned how to gut it out daily. And I stop by to tell you that endurance is not built overnight. Endurance builds over time. Sometimes by just doing one more. Working out one more time. Doing one more rep. Going out and speaking to one more person when you haven't closed any sales, uh, helping out one more time on the job, getting knocked down but getting back up one more time. No one masters anything overnight. When you look at anybody that is good at anything, what you are watching is the collective of all those times they did it just one more time. Pray one more time. Fast one more time. Come to church one more time. Give one more time. Evangelize one more time. Endure. 
And the endurance will hyperlink to another virtue, character. It says that it produces character. And it's interesting, though, that the, the, the Greek word um, for character used in this passage would, would probably be better translated as experience. Uh, and, and not just experience, but when they talk about the character, what they're using in the, in the translation of, of the Bible, it refers to um, a precious gem that has gone through a trial by fire to test its worth. It's not just about who you are when no one's looking. It's who you are while being probed and vetted and observed and thoroughly examined and tested and all know the results. It's the character that comes from going through a refining process. I, I don't wear much gold or silver, but I know how it's made. Uh, and when they take the raw uh, material, they, they put it in the fire. And they put a lot of heat on it. And they put so much heat on it that the impurities rise to the top. And when the impurities rise to the top, the person that's working the jewels scrapes off all the impurities and they keep doing this process over and over again until the maker is able to look into this refined gold or silver and see a reflection of themselves. So the endurance in the character is the byproduct of being worked over and over again, impurities rising to the top and being scraped off. And, 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 and so when you've been through the suffering and, and you have the endurance and the character, you come to hope. I've heard hope described as faith with the lights turned on. And I can see it being faith when the lights turned on because you will start off with faith in a bad situation. But Paul is telling the people to have hope because they've been through the suffering. They've had their endurance built up and they've developed character so that no matter what goes on, they know that God loves them and has poured his love into their hearts. This hope is not a fly-by-night feeling that will fade as time goes on. They know that they have been through some things, and they know that when they've been through those things, God will bring them out. And while they are waiting for God to bring them out, they know that God is with them. They've been tested They've had the endurance. They've had the character. They've done the suffering. They have the hope. And they know that God is with them. And they are connected to God. So that even though it seems like things are far away, the connection is at the tip of their fingers and as fast as one click. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for the word that went forth. 
for those who heard it and those who may hear it later, that they'll know that even though they, it seems like you're far away, you are as close and as fast to us as one click. Help us to, to endure while we're suffering and build character and have hope in you. And have hope in your son whose perfect work was done for us on the cross. A ransom for our lives, the perfect sacrifice. The one who willingly gave himself up so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Let this message be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. And that we can work under you and not under man in everything that we do. That your Holy Spirit can do his holy work through your holy people in your holy church for your holy kingdom. In the name above all names we pray, Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.